Hello everyone and welcome to the 50th 5-0 episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host SBJ and with me on... <laughs> woot woot. Uh, with me is Alan Gerding. Hey, uh, some of my teeth are fake. Is that true? That is true. I decided instead of just saying I'm from Cleveland every time, I would just say some random fact about myself. Just throw you off balance a little bit. So this in this episode 50, you heard it here. That's the new tradition I'm going to start is just my intro is going to be random fact about Alan. Uh, I've got fake teeth. How many? Yeah. All? Uh, just two. Just, just two. two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They were they they weren't not clean out. They were broken in half. But that's 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 the story. But I'm Alan. Hey, I'm uh, one half of Tuesday Night Games. So yeah, uh, Sean's not with us. He's not. No. Uh, He's rest, dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> rest in peace. No, Sean is training his new puppy. So he scheduled his classes, the puppy classes, for the same time that we do this podcast. So nice priority, Sean. Right. Yep. I see where we yep. rank in the level of dogs to podcasts. Right. And he says that's going to last four weeks, this being the first. So in the next three episodes, I'm thinking special guests. What do you think, SBJ? It's your show. Should we yeah. bring in some guests? I mean, totally. I, I know we talked about this before the show today, and I was like, well, let, let's just have it be us, because it hasn't been us in a while, and I never want to put like a guest on the, like, on the spot, like, hey, in like six hours, can you record? And I, I never want to yeah. do that. I want to give them proper time. So To be fair, a little thing, another thing you don't know about me is I keep guests in the queue, because I'm not even lying. I tell guests, hey, if you're available this week, let me know and we can do the podcast. So some people say like, hey, I'm, I'm available this week or next week or whenever. So I do have some list of availabilities. In fact, I can read you a list of names, some of which say they're available. And you can tell me, SBJ, since you're the host, or maybe we can have listeners write in at Podcast at Tuesday Night Games and say what they want to hear because we can get Arnie Niekamp, perhaps. Who's that? From, he is... One of the creatives behind Jackbox TV. Yeah. I like those games. They're amazing, right? They're super good, yeah. I might be able to get Max Temkin from Cards Against Humanity, Alex Haig from Monikers, Stephen Buonacore from Stronghold Games, Tim Fowers. We had an amazing weekend with at XOXO Fest, Sean and I. We spent like hours hanging out in his hotel room. Tim Fowers made Burgle Bros, Paperback. Uh, Fugitive was his most recent one, Walkstar. And then I met Dan Shapiro, who made Robot Turtle, which did insanely well. And then there's also Hunter Shelbourne, who is a rep for Steve Jackson Games. But before that, he did Weapons Grade Gaming, which is this other uh, YouTube show. He's hilarious. And, oh, you met Hunter. We played with him. We played with him, yep. Yeah, you met Hunter. So he's available, too. So that's just off the hand. Also... Donald and Chris from Board with Life. They're they're probably biting at the bitch. And the funny thing is, some of the names that I just listed, maybe some of those people are surprised if they listen to this, like, what? He never talked to me. But anyway. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember this. Well, before... like, this is bullcrap. I don't who is this guy? But Well, this yeah. is uh this is a zero episode, which 
Alan has coined. What that means is we kind of refresh, recap of the show itself. It's a always a good starting point, especially when somebody is new to the podcast and they don't know where to start. We can always say, hey, why don't you start at 50 or why don't you start at 40 or why don't you start at 30? Something like that. Yeah, especially now because 50, I mean, 50, man, that's starting to get overwhelming. This is a big deal. Yeah. 50 is a lot. Especially like leading up because the last two episodes haven't really been normal. Right. Because it's been convention convention season. season. Oh, man. All of us, all three of us have been super busy, man. Whew, ridiculous. Somehow but hey, I have a surprise works. for you. All right, let's hear it. I know you love my surprises. I, I normally don't, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can totally edit this out if you want to, but in our Dropbox, I put the F-Zero soundtrack from the original SNES game. So if you want, you can play that in the background right now. And then people can be listening and grooving. Oh, Oh, F-Zero. Wait, 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 what's the point? Episode? Oh, okay, Zero. I see. I was like, what does F-Zero have to do with board games? It's a Zero episode, and so maybe people, people will go, oh, Zero, I get it. Yeah, if it's stupid, whatever. What I've learned, one of the things <laughs> I've learned in our 50 episodes is that when I have a stupid idea, share it. Share it with SBJ, and I embrace it to the point where it maybe gets embraced. I don't know. That's one thing I've learned about our relationship. <laughs> I mean, you 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 de- you definitely go outside the box, and you present things in not in a way, but you present items that I would have never thought about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. the way is and pretty that's straightforward. Kind of your job. It's your job to shoot me down, man. That's your job. So, or actually embrace them. I don't know. It's it's a good relationship. You know, I was I, like I was I have a Slack community for my other podcasts. My Pokemon-based podcast, it's super effective. Have they started liking me yet, or no? I, you know, it's, it, <laughs> no, I, they, a lot of people from that community listen to the show. I don't know if it's because of me, or just because they like the thing of board games, or maybe it's because they like you and Sean's personalities, but they did say that ever since I started doing the show, that in terms, it's super effective has become a better show. So oh, I don't, wow. I don't know if that's like directly because of uh directly because uh you guys are different personalities than what I'm used to, so it kind of keeps me on my toes and my it hosting a new show is not it, it you just don't switch from one to the other like, "Oh, I've done this for 6 years. Now now I can just do this." It's almost like a whole different class, a whole different project, a whole different scope. Yeah. So because of that, it's I feel like you and Sean have made me a better podcaster. So if that's anything, probably one of the best compliments you've ever given me, man. That's awesome. <laughs> no, Keeping I, you on your toes. Yeah, I appreciate it. So yeah, when you give me a silly idea of putting F zero behind, I'm just like, where did this come from? But no, I expect <laughs> it. I, I like that. Uh, hey, and we should treat this episode as if no one has heard it before. So what's this other podcast you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, look at you doing transitions. So, Sean's not here. He's the other half of Tuesday Night Games. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna let you give Sean like a minute of his light, but in your in your voice description. Got you. But Sean. Yeah, let's do let's do Sean first. Why don't you pitch Sean? I'll pitch me, and then you pitch yourself. Okay, Sean McCoy. He's my second partner. Yes, my first partner's my wife, but uh, Sean McCoy. 
We met in Vegas in a faded tryst in the evening where we decided to hang out, where there was magicians in a bar and there was alcohol involved, but I don't drink, but he definitely did. And it was amazing, love at first sight. He'd say that he hated me at first, but I won him over within the first hour. Yeah. And then after that, we started working together at Mage Wars. And after a few months, I said, run away with me, Sean. Let's start our company of our own. And he grabbed my hand and we skipped off into the sunset and started Tuesday night games with our flagship game, Two Rooms and a Boom. Sean hates elevator pitches. He really wants to talk more about topic of the episodes and not even talk about games. And he plays a lot of role-playing games. So he's our resident role-playing game aficionado because he plays that more than any other type of game besides Go. He also is trying to become a Go master. That's Pokemon Sean Go? Coy. No, no, no. The <laughs> yeah, classic yeah, I know, Go. Yeah, I know yeah, Go. No, but good. That was good. That was good. Uh, how about you, sir? You know, I am a person <laughs> perfect perfect this is going great we're going great yeah so, this is great listening material people are knowing us now yeah it's fantastic i met alan and sean after a night of playing the resistance with some people from indie i can never remember their name indie boards and cards Boarding cards yeah. i always think it's cards and boards and that makes no sense when i actually said it out Just loud think of it it's in alphabetical order Right? Indie boards and card games. Uh, all right, all right. DC. Yeah. So we were we were playing this this really probably the best game of resistance I've ever played. And it was me, Irene, my friend Kay, and then a bunch of strangers. Two of them worked for uh Indie. And then afterwards, after we played this just phenomenal game of the resistance, one of the guys from Indie was like, Hey, my friends are demoing this new hidden role game in the hallway, we should go check it out. And it was Gen Con, so like, why go to bed? Let's check out this new game. And that's when I met you and Sean, and you were teaching Two Rooms and a Boom. Yeah. And really, I didn't hear much of Two Rooms and and a Boom until next year when I played it again, when you you guys actually had events. And then I pre-ordered it, and then I met you guys next year, and the game... I don't think the game was still out then, because it took you guys two years. So when years. you say pre-order, I'm assuming you mean you kickstarted. kickstarted. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Because yeah. it took what you two years. What a nightmare of a campaign that was. Yeah. It was a year late. A year late. For reasons. Right. For we, reasons. We've talked about it before, but when I, I was actually trying to make connections with the guys from Board With Life, and that's when you jumped... Because I was telling... Because they do a podcast. I do this podcast. I was like, oh, our podcast should self-advertise because audience and SEO and blah, 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 blah. And you jumped in. And for some reason, you thought it was funny when I was doing my thing when we were all podcasting in that group after Gen Con. I'm not yeah, sure. you're hilarious. <laughs> and you guys came up to me and asked me to host your guys' show. And most... Like, nine out of ten... I would say... 99 out of 100 times when somebody goes, let's co- collaborate, nothing really comes out of that. I, I feel like, at least to me. And But, but no, then you y- met me, Crazy <laughs> Alan, Yeah, who really followed through. You followed through, and you followed through quickly, and it was still... Yeah, because I've always wanted to do a board gaming podcast, but I didn't, I, I didn't have like the right audience, or not the right audience, but the right 
people with the same dedication to do this weekly. And that's where you came in. I don't know about Sean's. He's not here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sean's, uh, yeah. He's a, he's a hard, he's a leprechaun. Hard to catch sometimes. Yeah. But I, uh, I've been podcasting for over six years. I do another show called It's Super Effective, which is a primarily a Pokemon based show. We talk about it's a big deal. It's, <laughs> It's a super big deal. In fact, that should be the name of the show. It's super effective at being a very big deal. We talk about the anime, Pokemon Go, the card game, the video game, pretty much all aspects of Pokemon. So I'll be very, very busy once November comes out because that's when the two new games come out for the handhelds. But yeah, I do that. And I cut and I'm the one that cuts and edits and produces both shows. But if if I usually if I'm not on the episode, uh, Alan picks up the editing part of it. It, here's here's two big clues that SBJ. Uh oh, my dogs are freaking out. I'm sorry. This is so. There's quality assurance for you right there because that's clue number one. If the episode isn't quality, it's probably because I edited it because I do not have the editing skills of SBJ. And the other thing is, if SBJ is not on the episode, yeah, he definitely. It's it's I I edited the episode. And if there's one thing I learned for sure, it's that Audacity's leveler does not do the job, does not do the job right. <laughs> because no matter how hard I try to level the audio, I always get like Andrew Baker, Greg, they message me on Facebook saying, hey, the level sucked, bro. Like, damn it, damn it. All right, I'm going to go murder my dogs. I'm sorry about this, SBJ. Hold on. Oh, man, so get this. You ready for this? I'm, re I'm ready. Sorry about that. So I have friends coming over. And they showed up really early. And I even told people, hey, don't show up early. Because first of all, rude. Second of all, I'm recording the podcast. So the reason the dogs were going nuts is I have friends here. So anyway, we're still on schedule, though. So don't worry. I'm all not right. going to let those friends ruin this we're episode. Making, Sorry about that. We're making great time. <laughs> okay. So yeah, did you want me to repeat anything with the dogs in the background? No, that was, so that was fine. It was, it it was, was good pretty enough? faint. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Maybe I'll add more dog barking in post. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll bring it up. Nice. So this is a, a podcast about board games. Fifth, a zero episode. You didn't mention, but Sean's more... Did you mention... Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Sean's very into like role-playing games. I would say I that's totally his... mentioned that a ton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the other thing about this podcast. We don't really listen to each other. Yeah. We just wait to talk. Perfect. I mean, that's, that's why we're good at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really into social deduction games. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. I'm also, I also really like push your luck games, which is why I like games like Machi Koro. But we'll nice. get and and another game I played, which I feel like is a little push your luck. But what about you? Who are you? Uh oh yeah, me. Well, I'm the guy that has some fake teeth, but also I'm the other half of Tuesday Night Games. So that whole story of me meeting Sean, yeah. I started as a game designer, and I do mostly game design. And the games that I try to make, I've realized this throughout the years. I just really don't like boredom, which includes waiting for turns. I'm a little bit of a hyper person myself. I've been told I'm a spaz from a couple of people. And once two people tell you something, then you have to kind of start questioning if they're right or not. Like, oh, that's two totally separate people told me I'm a spaz. <laughs> Maybe I'm a spaz. So applying that to games, waiting for my turn, not that great. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I would enjoy a nice long ass Euro game where it takes like 30 minutes for it to come to your turn or whatever. But in most settings, I'm playing with more than two, three or four people. And if that's the case, I want something where you can get in, get out and at least you're always playing like in two rooms in a boom. I like hood and roll games because you're always engaged. It's very social. So I like those type of games. And I don't want to just say party games because those are super light. But I'm going to admit, I love me some party games. I really do. So that's that's basically where I'm coming from is I'm all about creating games and playing games that create a memorable experience because that's why we're there. In fact, this is kind of blasphemy. I really don't give a crap about the game. The game just has to do its job of being good enough that everyone else is allowed to have fun. If people aren't having fun or they're leaving with hurt feelings or angry, something's up. Something's up. So that's where I'm coming from with Tuesday Night Games. Yeah. You make me. games. I'm, I'm, I'm not involved in the board game industry at all, so I think that's a... Uh, you are now, sir. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> the podcast, maybe. But prior to that... Like you guys, you guys make the games, you guys do all the ordering, the production, the connecting with other board game people, all that stuff. You guys are deep in where originally the, the podcast started off as I was more of a voice of the audience, a voice of, tell me about how this production has worked. Why did it take you two years to make two rooms and a boom? Where's world championship Russian roulette? Like that's kind of where I come from in the aspect of making the show work. And obviously the show has definitely changed from episode one. But yeah. I, think, I think that's... Because we're in episode 50. And yeah. you don't get to episode 50 without being part of the board game industry, Mr. SBJ. So you're officially part of it now. <laughs> yeah, you're the host. And let me blow some smoke up your ass, but it's honest smoke, is that you're really good. You're good at what you do because I think you do a really good job of being the everyman that you ask questions I think most listeners would be thinking of. And I always hate when I'm listening to a podcast or a radio show and I think in my mind, why aren't they asking this? Or what? They're forgetting the most obvious thing. And I think you do a fantastic job of reeling in everything and making sure the questions that most people would want to ask get asked. So you're a great interviewer, great host. Nice. Thanks. No problem. What I was, I was going to ask a question. Go figure. Before we, so because it's just us two, and we kind of summed up us to begin with. I didn't think that would take too long. We've gotten obviously by doing these zero episodes, we've gotten more efficient at explaining ourselves and explaining the show. But so we we both played some games. We'll talk about that in a second mm -hmm. here. But is there a favorite? part of the podcast or direction you want to see the podcast go in or even just maybe a moment of the last 49 episodes that kind of stood out to you oh man so many good memories because we're at episode 50 that's a lot and by the way not sure if you realize this but episode one was posted september 29th of 2015 this is almost our anniversary man in fact Episode zero was recorded before that. Do you realize that? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I looked. So episode zero was posted at September 1st. So realistically, we've kind of been doing this over a year, but our official anniversary is the end of September. And look at us, bro. It's the end of September. So happy almost anniversary, <laughs> SBJ. 
So the anniversary is a good time to look back and reflect upon everything that we've done. And man, there's, there's a lot of good memories I have there. Like one of the good memories I've learned is B team better than a team. In my opinion, those guys are good. (laughs) So you want to explain B team? Yeah. When Alan and Sean are busy or sometimes like one of them is busy. So I'll just tell both of them to take the week off. I bring on my B team, which are some co-hosts that I bring on to It's Super Effective, Will and Logan. Will is, uh, Will is quote unquote part of the A team for It's Super Effective, and Logan is part of the B team for It's Super. Logan is just a B plus player, is what it comes down to. Uh, but they're both Logan's amazing too, and he's an amazing dancer. So we've learned. Yeah, yeah, they're both they're both super great. They both know each other really well. I know them really well. So that chemistry has just been really good. And Logan is a super big gamer. Will is very into the the trading card aspect or the living card game aspect of deck building, I would say. Of Drive Jack. Yep, the board game industry. Yeah, and Logan Logan just likes every game. I don't think there's a single game Logan doesn't like. He's impressive. He, I think, buys retail games like I back Kickstarters because I'm addicted to Kickstarter and there is not a week that goes by, no exaggeration, where I don't get at least one Kickstarter game show up in the mail. And it's to the point where my extensive game library is now mostly Kickstarter games. But Logan, he buys them retail, so he he gets all the newest games not pre-ordered on Kickstarter. He's got a lot of games, man. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm the opposite of Logan now. I'm trying not to buy games because I want the games on my shelf to be good enough that I would go back to. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying to do that. When we had Quentin Smith from Shut Up and Sit Down guest, he really ruined that for me because he talked about how the pleasure that most people get from games is when they open the box and after that point, it's only downhill. It's the excitement. But once you actually learn the rules and start playing the game, you don't get that dopamine rush because there was a neurological experiment about it, apparently. So, man, after he told me that, I asked myself which of these games in my extensive library would i want to save before all the others if my house is on fire and i wanted to come up with 10 i came up with seven seven it was just, oh my goodness i have way too many games but i'm trying i'm trying to call yeah. my my uh my kickstarter addiction oh <laughs> speaking of games that i've recently opened and that excitement level kind of went down a bit is the new Machi Koro. Yeah, so I played some games, which is rare for me, but I, I played two games. I played Machi Koro, Bright Lights, Big City. I had to turn around and look at what the subtitle was, which was, this was, this was silly. Wait, is that all one game? The name, the name of the game is Machi Koro Bright Lights Big City? Yes. So this wow. was the new Machi Koro at Gen Con that you couldn't buy at Gen Con because it was a Target exclusive. So they had a booth to tell you to go to Target to get the new Machi Koro. That sounds like bullshit. Yeah. So I wasn't thrilled there, but I, as you know... Biggest Machi Koro fan in the world. I like you the- are a big Machi Koro fan. You almost like it as much as you like Seven Wonders. <laughs> no. 
For the new Tuesday night listeners, which, by the way, we call knaves, the running joke is SBJ isn't the biggest fan of Seven Wonders, but for some reason, in my memory, I think he is. So I tease him about that. But anyways, anyways. Now, now they're on the inside of that inside joke. They're inside. So I have, I have three quick board game things. One is at Gen Con, somebody, when, when I was recording some D&D, a friend asked if they could open Sushi Go Party so they could play with their group of people as I did D&D. And I said yes, because why would I say no? I was upset that I didn't get a chance to open my own game. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to the Quentin Smith and opening like opening someone else's game is like blowing out the candles on their birthday cake. If you want to be a jerk, you go ahead and right when someone's going to blow out their birthday candles, you lean in, blow them out. And that's what someone does when they open your game. I, I think I think Quentin's completely right, though. Like it's opening the opening of the game is one of the most exciting things about board games. The smell's glorious. And like <sighs> taking everything out of the box and like looking at the art and unwrapping. It's fantastic. So just talking about it's turning me on a little bit, but keep going. So that was one of three. Number two is I went out, bought Machi Koro, Bright Lights, Big City, because they said they, they fixed some things in Machi Koro. There's a couple new cards. There's a third dice, blah, blah, blah. This is like the fourth time I bought Machi Koro. No, third time. <laughs> But anyways, so I bought it, I took it to some friend's house, I started setting it up and everything, and they were, they always asked me the kind of the same questions, like, how long does this game take? Is it fun? And they always ask, have you played this? And I was like, yes, I have played Machi Koro. I, can, I don't even have to look at the rule book. I can tell you everything. It's extremely easy to learn, and everyone I've shown it to loves it. And I, I quickly glanced at the, the rule book because I wanted to see if there were any new rules or anything changed, and there, there wasn't. But okay. they were two of the... So, yeah, everyone there didn't play Machi Koro. We played a, a game of four. And two of them right off the bat were like, ah, this looks really hard. And I was like, I hear that all the time. Everyone always says, this looks hard, this looks complicated. And then the person teaching the game always goes, no, it's really easy. The people who think it's hard doesn't think it's easy. And then it's like, well, you said it was easy, but it's not. And I was like, trust me, Machi Koro is like the one game where when I say it's really easy to teach and learn, people always go, you're right. Not a lot of games have that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah. instantly they all fell in love with it and they really liked it. And they, it, it, Machi Koro is supposed to take 30 minutes, but in this game, it took almost an hour just because they were kind of overthinking it and taking long turns, which is fine. Like, totally fine. New players. Right, yeah, exactly. You got to give them a break for that analysis paralysis. Yeah. Right when we finished, they were like, let's, let's play this again. And I was like, I want to play other games. Like, I love Machi Koro, but I wanted to get another game to the table, which is the, the game I wanted to possibly elevator pitch. But... You want to elevate Vader pitch? Wow, let me try that again. You want to elevator pitch a game? Maybe. 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 This is exciting because uh, <laughs> you're really good at elevator pitches, so it's always a sweet treat when SBJ does an elevator pitch. I wasn't completely satisfied with this version of Machi Koro. I think it fixes a lot of issues, but I thought the overall game was slower. 
So in Machi Koro, what happens is you... Wait, is this the elevator pitch? No, I'm just summarizing Machi Koro okay. and the difference of the new game. Kind of gotcha. not... Yeah, yeah, words. So Machi Koro, you roll a dice. If the dice matches anything on your card you get a coin you do what the card says so if i roll a six and i have cards that represent one two four and six i get whatever six says and then some cards are for if anyone rolls it some cards is if only if you roll it something like that so that was the first version of the game and everything you could buy was out on the table so you're building this little city so, a la Dominion, the original Dominion, all the cards are out. You could just buy them whenever you could. Yeah, cool. Yeah. The second version of the game, they decided to shuffle all those cards and add more cards into a deck. And then you, would, you would flip the cards over and there would be eight piles to the deck. So if there could be a sushi shop and a flower shop and a grocery store and a cafe, but if you flipped over another cafe, it would just stack on top of each other. So if it was a... If, so cards, cards that are already out would stack. So you would have eight different cards to buy. And then once, that's, once something is bought and that pile is empty, you flip over the next card. And I right. thought that was better than the first game. So I would disagree because I played that one the first time and I got hosed my first game. But to be fair, the reason I didn't like it was because I was stuck. Because basically I couldn't get the basic, I forget what the three card is or the four card because it wasn't available. I didn't buy it when I had the chance to and someone else bought it like, oh, so the luck of the draw was I couldn't buy one of the basic starting cards. It hurt. It was painful. But yeah. keep going. Don't and let I, me derail. I thought that was the problem with the game, too, because what we discovered in our game when I played that version, which I played a couple times, was sometimes you get nothing but high cards out there. And it's like no one's rolling two dice yet. So the cards that are 11 or 7 or 8, no one's buying those cards because no one's rolling two dice and no one plans on rolling two dice. So no one's going to buy those cards to reveal new cards. Because correct my memory if I'm wrong, but you have to unlock the second die. Yes. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yes. So you're not, you, do, you can't even unlock the second die and yet the cards out require two dice. So, right. Oof. Rough. So the Continue, sir. third version of the game, which is Bright Light's Big City, now breaks it into three decks. So the first deck is everything one through six. The second deck is all the special purple cards. And the third deck is everything above six. So seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Right. Makes sense. Seems like that would fix the problems that we just mentioned. Yes, it does. It, it completely does because instead of uh, eight piles from a universal deck i think it's it's six two and six you can only have two purple decks out at a time and then six uh of each below six and above six and so i that, can almost picture this I and can almost so do that this. fixes everything except that they removed the cards for millionaire row and harbor their two expansions some of them are in there Whoa. but they removed some of those so it's a thinner deck, and it just didn't seem as exciting. It was just like, all right, I guess I'll buy a, uh, a mine. Yep. I've... So here's the natural question. Can you combine the sets? Can we just throw in? Yes, you the... can. Okay, which is probably what you'd recommend, because what I've heard is those expansions really make Machi Koro shine. And I don't remember which one. Like some people, I think it's some people say Millionaire's Row makes it better. Or yeah. Maybe it's Harbor. I don't... But the, so, the, so my complaint isn't, that bright lights big city is bad my complaint is 
that next year or in six months, we're going to get a, another version of Machi Koro that will add more cards to now Bright Lights Big City to make it more exciting than what it is now. Because to me, Machi Koro Bright Lights Big City is what the first game was minus the expansions in between. So, Because why would you ever go back to the first one when the two expansions fixed a lot of what the first one had issues with? Which I, right. which, which I think is just interesting, and we could go down another conver- conversation of like how often do you update a game? How often do you change the rules? Is something well, so it's a company. It's what is it? IDW Games, isn't that yeah. the company? And they want to make money, and so the best way to milk this cow dry is to you know slowly release things, etc. So that's like we were idiots for for Tuesday night games when we made two rooms in a boom. We threw almost every card we could think of in there. Like, these are the best cards. Put it in there. So now the base game comes with over 75 unique character cards. And I remember Travis Worthington from Indie Board and Cards, who published Resistance, said, you guys are idiots. That's so dumb. You should not put so many cards in the set. That way the game costs less. More people will buy it. And then you can come out with expansions and make more money that way. Well, Travis... You're smarter than we are because you're probably right. But you know what? I'm a gamer first and foremost, and I like a game that has everything all in one comfortable place. (laughs) But speaking of which, we've got an expansion coming out in Kickstarter in a couple months. (laughs) Four two Uh, rooms. Four two rooms and a boom. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I I just think that's an interesting... I'm going to add that to our Google Doc of just like revisiting games and re-releasing games for second editions or third editions and how right. drastically rules change or don't change. Because you could look at a game like Twilight Imperium, and I think they're on third edition, and yeah, they might be sold out because people are saying fourth edition is possibly coming. So, yeah, the crazy thing is Robo Rally has a favorite edition because there's like four editions, if I remember correctly, and people say something like, oh, the second edition's the best. They have the next edition coming out of... Uh, house uh on the hill betrayal at the house on the hill which is out actually i think that's out now and they yeah so you're right second editions they're coming out with a new edition of citadels so what's 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 with that that would be a great topic for the future i right. agree sir cool yeah uh, what was I've, the other game you played though the other game i played which is a game i got two gen cons ago and this this is me trying to make sure that games on my shelf are played so they stay on my shelf because i'm kind of now leaning towards moving out some some games that have never even been touched but the game that i got at gen con like two years ago i fell in love with rarely get to the table i wanted to make sure it got to the table was abyss gorgeous game beautiful fantastic art and so abyss should i should i elevator pitch abyss don't ever ask yeah if you're (laughs) if you are considering it that's a go sir so abyss but here's the thing to reward you for volunteering for an elevator pitch i'll let you choose who you want to be and that's normally not how it's done normally we choose something really difficult that's somewhat thematic like if i was going to choose i would just say some type of alien monster because i think it's like i've never played but they look like they're they're demons like or fish monsters. fish people in in ah, this under the sea yeah got it got it so i'd say you're sebastian from little mermaid and now you have to do a jamaican accent but under the sea but i won't do that you can choose i mean i could try it uh, he, the thing about all my accents is they're all bad and possibly offensive <laughs> possibly offensive but it's not you trying to be offensive it's just that 
you I'm just, are, but that, that's yeah, why I'm, they're so good though like your just bear that I'm tone elevator deaf. pitch was amazing man it was basically sbj just saying roar every once in a while but anyway <laughs> uh you can try sebastian or what do you feel comfortable with? I'll, I'll try. I'll try a Jamaican thing because I don't remember the Little Mermaid at all. Under the sea, where yeah. it is wetter, where it. I I can't do it, obviously. So not trying to be offensive, but yeah. If it's any easier, try like Jar Jar Binks, even though that's blasphemy. Hmm. But Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be some type of Jamaican mix, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. All right. So uh, for for if you're a new listener or you're. A new word listener. Our elevator pitches aren't designed to explain the rules of the game. They're really designed to get you interested into possibly looking more into it or just, uh, right. should I buy this? Yes or no. It's like walking up and down an aisle at Gen Con of like, does the art, do the people there draw me in enough to... to... Yeah. Yeah, so it's not really to explain the rules, which... Sometimes we we fall into that trap. We try not to. We I think we've that's one thing we've learned in fifty episodes is the difference between a rules explanation and a tantalizing pitch. Like if you were going to pitch a movie to a producer, you wouldn't say, "Here's the entire plot. Here's the characters. This is the climax. This is how it ends." You would just say, "Imagine Blade Runner meets Forrest Gump. Boom, and it takes place underground." And then that's like your elevator pitch. But all right. So you have a minute, sir. A minute. All right. Ding me, Alan. <laughs> no, it's ding me, SBJ. But here we go. Uh, welcome to Jamaica, a.k.a. the abyss of underwater. You are trying to get the most points at the end of the game in abyss and how you do that is by recruiting lords or talking with the i think it's called council but i'm probably wrong with that term so on what you do is you can either explore the depths and try to get people to join up on you or you can spend those cards and recruit lords and <laughs> see stuff. The game is really cool because you have these pearls and you can spin these pearls in a cup and everyone does that and then the pearls fall everywhere on the floor and then I get mad because they're dropping my pearls everywhere. But what's interesting is when it's on your turn, you, while it is your turn, People get the action before you do. And if they take your cards, if they want your cards on your turn, they must pay you <laughs> those pearls. It is a gorgeous game, gorgeous art, easy to learn, but there are a lot of different <laughs> structures going on. Would I recommend Abyss? Yes. But it has my least favorite ending to a game. Ding. Whoa. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, great Jamaican, SBJ. Thank That's probably you. your best accent we've ever heard. I think it was a very slow Jamaican. 
So if you play that and edit it in like 1.5 speed, maybe I'll increase the the, the, the speed. The speed, and then you'll maybe you'll make it a minute because I have uh, like a minute and 45 seconds oh, on okay. my watch. I might, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I might increase it. Uh, yeah, Abyss is great. Like I said, when it's your turn and you reveal a card uh, to buy it, uh, yeah. everyone else at the table has an option to buy it before you. Whoa, uh, that's weird. Yeah, it's really cool. But if they buy it, they have to pay you a pearl, and then you they get the ah. card, and then you reveal the next card. And again, you get you you don't get to buy it first. The other person, the other people at the table get to, but the price goes up. So if somebody, so whoever buys it, they're out. They can't buy anymore for that for your turn. But right. if the second or third player want to buy it, it would cost two pearls, and then it would cost three pearls. So those pearls, while they don't add up for any points of the game, they have a lot of power of helping... Purchase. Pur- uh, purchasing, yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so you, you left us hanging, though. You said, horrible way to end the game. Yeah, it has my... So I, I love every single minute of Abyss until the very end. So once Oof. you get seven lords, or once somebody gets seven lords, it triggers the end game. So everyone gets one last turn besides the person who triggered endgame and then so what don't you like about that this is this is the part I, I hate so then once everyone takes their final turn you have to count up all your points and then so you're sitting there counting everything and then you do the thing at the table where no one wants to say their total and then somebody goes well i got 54 points and then somebody else goes well i'm out i got 34 points and then somebody else goes what'd you get I got 55 points. Well, I got 70 points. And it's just like, that is not a fun. <laughs> it's just not a fun. It's, it's such an anti-climatic way to end a game. It was just like, all right, everyone, that great game is done. But let's, let's hunker down and add four different point values together and then slowly reveal them to each other. Right. Well, how would you fix it? Would it be that it's not so mathy? Would you have the reveal be different where maybe people bid on what place they get and if they're correct, then they get extra points? Oh, man. Man, I'm a good game designer. I kind of just liked what I just came up with. Damn it. Edit this out, SBJ, because I'm going to do that. At the end of the game, you get bonus points if you can correctly guess which place you got. Man, so I, good. I, I don't. So, so Seven Wonders has the same ending. Oh, I, yeah. So, Seven Wonders you love. I'm not a fan of. <laughs> well, then, I would also say, like, Sushi Go also has that same ending of, like, okay, everyone, count yeah. up your points. I think yeah. the difference, though, in Sushi Go is you can count them pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Seven Wonders, there's an actual algorithm and a sheet of paper. And the other consequence of that is with Seven Wonders, you have no idea who's winning. And this is my go-to story for Seven Wonders. I've played it three times. I've won three times. I have no idea how. It's like, oh, I guess, I guess I won. Cool. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. The 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 so Abyss is made. It's made by Bruno something. Sounds good. You I'm probably know. I, do that. He, yeah, I think I'm, he made Five Tribes. Oh, you're talking about the the creator, not the company. Right. The comp- The creator. Because everyone praises the creator, you, and you can look it up. But uh, I'm pretty sure Five Tribes, Five Tribes, and Abyss came out the same year at Gen Con, and I feel like Abyss got like Abyss got forgotten, and everyone raved and loved Five Tribes. Bruno Cathala, yes, publisher is Asmodee at this point. Yes, that is correct. As- Asmodee, buying a, 
Yosemite, as SBJ's amazing pronunciation likes to pronounce it. So, so the ending to Abyss is you have to add up all your lords, you have to add up all your locations, you have to add up your monster tiles, and then you have to add up one other thing. So it's not quick math. The other, the, the cool thing about Abyss, so let, let me backtrack here. When you buy lords, lords have different actions. So there are political lords that, like, their benefit is to help you get pearls easier. And then there are warrior lords that affect other players in the game. So their abilities might be you have a hand limit now of six. Or anytime you buy a lord, it increases in price by two. Or it, it affects everyone negatively. And then there are other lords that protect you from those. And then there are lords that don't do any abilities, but they have very just very high total value for the end of the game. So definitely tons of replay. I've probably played it six or seven times, and I really, really enjoy it until I get to the end. And then I, I do fall into that situation of adding, adding numbers at the end of the game. It just isn't fun. And yeah. how, how do you fix that? How, how do you get a game that is, in this case, point-based? Like, right. shoes, shoes. Sushi Go fixes it because because <laughs> it's so quick. There's very so few quick. points to add up, and you can actually do it player by player. Like you can say, "How many points did you get?" and they just add it up in front of you. How many points did you get? and they add it up in front of you. So there's that little bit of drama and tension where you take turns instead of everyone doing their own math and then revealing it. Yeah. See, but like in yeah. a in a Euro game like Power Grid, I think that that works. Grid of power. I think that works only because you're. In, in a game of Power Grid, you're, you're probably playing for two to three hours. So you're so invested in your money already every turn. But that, this game's just 30 to 60 minutes. Right. Is what I'm... Okay. And you can, like, look, you can look around. So in, in our last game we played, I definitely knew I was winning just by looking at everyone's lords. Like, I had six lords. Everyone else had four lords. I already had two locations. Everyone else had one. So, like, right off the bat, I know Damn. I'm winning because I have two more lords than everyone, and I have one more location. Like, even if they had monster tokens or anything in their hand, I knew at that point I was winning. And I needed one more lord to trigger endgame. And somebody else had, an, they bought a lord, and the lord's ability was, you can buy another lord right away. So they went from, four, they went from, I think, maybe they were at five, but... But they, they got a lot more lords really quickly. Right. They pretty much got two lords in one turn and they triggered endgame. And on top of that, they got a location. So now, not only did they catch up, they passed me by one lord. So I went from, I'm definitely winning the game to, I have to hopefully get like a really good miracle draw in this next turn to make sure that I stay winning. And that part was exciting and that part made sense. And in the moment, I knew like, okay, I'm no longer winning anymore. Which is the problem in Seven Wonders, like you said, you never know if you're winning or losing. Right. And I, w I pretty much, in one turn, I went from first place, and I went to last place in the game. Yeah, so here's, here's why I like games that have the point tracker around the edge, like Kingsburg does. Uh, a lot of games Ticket have Ticket to it. Ride. Ticket to Ride has the point tracker, is because then it looks like a race. Because here's the equivalent analogy. The difference between what you don't like of revealing the points and actually seeing the points as you go is the difference between running a race with all these other people and you see who's behind you, who's in front of you, I got to get faster than this person, and then running the race totally alone and then just meeting up at the pub afterwards and saying, hey, what time did you get? 
Oh, you got you got it in an hour. I got it in 54 minutes. Boom. So that's yeah. So it's the same thing. It feels much better when you feel that there's an actual race going on. That's a huh. super good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's visually the same way. Yeah. Man. Ah, sorry. Abyss. I, I want to play it now, though, too, besides it being gorgeous, because those are like actual pearl components. Does it come with those pouches or cauldrons that I'm looking? I'm yeah, looking at the it comes with right the now. little like plastic things that you can put. The yeah, It's really cool. And it's like I th- a toy. And yeah. It has variant covers to it as well. So you, we could both own Abyss, but have the cover of the box look totally different. Yes so cool and i think that it's uh, i think a game like that's worth mentioning even though it has problems because what we started off the podcast earlier saying is people love new games and cracking those open and then like it slowly falls off but i I feel like abyss is one of those games that definitely i I know it's more than two years old that sticks with me of like i always want to play abyss even though that end is kind of like oh i just wish this end was better and blah 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 but i praise I feel like as board gamers, a lot, like if it's two years or older, people aren't talking about it anymore because it's not the hotness. And right. I think that says something about just the industry and about maybe the games themselves that maybe they're Actually, not as good as what we thought in the moment. I heard an amazing explanation as to why the board game industry is a frontline industry. Frontline meaning that people want the newest and not necessarily the oldest. And I'd love to share that. Maybe in another episode, because Captain Chessbeard's poking me over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you have company. Uh, well, I already did the elevator pitch, so uh, you can just go down the games you, you played, and if you just wanted to talk about one specifically, uh, go for uh, it. Yeah, really quick, I've, what's been on my table a lot lately is Thief's Market, Little Drop of Poison, Don't Mess with Cthulhu, and Secret Hitler, and that's the big debate which one's more fun what do we like better don't mess with cthulhu or secret hitler they're very different games but they're both hidden role games they're both new and grifters so those are the games that i've played and i think it's worth going into later on about the debate between secret hitler versus don't mess with cthulhu uh thieves market is a game that tries to be like splendor and it's fun, and it's definitely when you play it once, you you realize, oh, I want to try that again, which is a sign of a good game. But I will say, after I played it a second time, I realized, don't want to play it as much. And it's interesting that it's Thief's Market, not Thieves Market. It's like a singular thief, but possessive. <laughs> thief's Market. I thought that was interesting. But anyway, but those are the games that I've played. But pff, enough about me, because you're going to hear about me plenty. I do want to ask. What what yeah. just what are your initial impressions of Secret Hitler? Because that is easily one of the most talked about games currently. Here is the single sentence to describe Secret Hitler. It is resistance simplified yet made more complicated with the addition of elimination. Which I so heard I so I didn't I didn't know it had elimination until it has elimination until like two weeks ago. And I watched, I watched this YouTube video. I, I mean, I, I forget the guy's channel. I think it, I think his channel is like all the games you play are bad. And he pretty much breaks down why certain board games just are not good compared to other board games. Yeah. And I think he did one for, I'm going to have to listen to this. I mean, I'm going to stop listening to our podcast and start listening to that one. I think he did one for Scythe. 
and he did one for another really popular game that came out at Gen Con, but he did one for Secret Hitler. And we should get this guy in the show. Maybe he could be one of our guests. Yeah, he's he seemed really great. But how he explained Secret Hitler, and again, I I, I own Secret Hitler. I backed it on Kickstarter. Or I haven't played it. Mm-hmm. I know my friend. Did you get the wooden box? I did. Yeah. Oh we- man, you're hardcore. I did not. <laughs> forever, forever, I heard that. Oh, it's it's like the Resistance, but better. And then I heard it had player elimination. And then so I heard it from that the guy explaining why he pretty much said the Resistance is a better game. Oh. And. He... I disagree. I disagree strongly for okay. reasons. Okay. And yeah. he said that the player elimination is a huge miss in the game because in the resistance, you don't have that. And the best part about the resistance is the last round because that is when everything falls apart. And Ooh. that's usually when the table goes, oh, of like either I won or I've lost yeah. or like you were a spy or you weren't a spy. That's the most That's a exciting really good point. part That's of a really the resistance. Yeah, and in yeah. Secret Hitler, from my understanding, is there is a part where somebody can get shot and they are out of the game. And he, if it's Hitler, the game's over right then and there. And that could be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it that would be, that would be yeah. probably very exciting to shoot Hitler. That's weird to say out loud. Um, but if his <laughs> point was, his point was, he talked. He, I think he asked the creators, or there was an FAQ, and they said. Well, the player elimination is not that big of a deal because the game at that point is going to end within 10 minutes. And his rebuttal was, somebody is now out of the game when the most exciting part of the game is about to happen. And that person is no longer in that experience because oh, they've yeah, been shot. Oh yeah, without a doubt, it sucks getting shot. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. I, I think he had other points, but that was his main point. Of, it's a really good point. In my opinion, though, Secret Hiller, for one thing, it's newer and the other reason is it's elegant. And what do I mean by elegant? It you have fewer decisions to make in Secret Hitler than you do the resistance, but those decisions have a lot more weight to them. So it's more elegant in the classic sense that it's not more complicated, uh, but it has a lot of depth. So that's why I think it's 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 a lot easier to teach. Maybe not easier to understand but definitely a lot easier to teach and plus the game's gorgeous but that's just getting into materialism but anyway uh yeah plus i have some bad stories with resistance and secret hiller has the same potential to really upset me that resistance does with that emotional manipulation as we've talked about in previous episodes yeah 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 long story short for the tuesday knave so you don't have to go back and listen if you don't want to in resistance and secret hitler and so many hidden role games you can act like you're really angry and be an asshole, and that is a very strong, viable strategy. If you start screaming your ass off and get really angry and say, I'm not the spy, or I'm not a fascist, I'm not Hitler, people say, geez, okay, this is just a game. If it's that big of a deal to you, I won't kill you. <laughs> I was the fascist, I was secret Hitler. Like, well, <laughs> no one won this game at this point. You right. just ruined it for everyone. Right, right. Anyway, so that's like the pitfall of both these games. But I think Secret Hitler has a bit more deniability because in Resistance, a lot of times you know for a fact that someone is a spy and then you get in this argument, they're the spy. No, they're the spy. No, they're the spy. And that gets really brutal. In Secret Hitler, there's always this element of denial. Like someone could explain why they failed a mission. And in Secret Hitler's not failing missions. It's putting in a fascist edict. 
a fascist law instead of a liberal law. But anyway, uh, that's getting into more details. Yeah, we'll, we have to, we'll have to talk more about that stuff in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Ooh, what a <laughs> teaser. <laughs> Tease like three things this episode. Well, yeah. oh, to yeah. wrap up, let's, let's wrap up here. Um, okay. Last thing, so we're going to pick a winner for our review. So we're going to do this again just for everyone that missed it the first time. If you leave us a review in iTunes, we are going to pick another person and they're going to win either a copy of Two Rooms of Two Rooms and a Boom or a copy of Duel, whichever one you want. Like I said in previous episodes, we'll do more different ways to win in the future. We're probably going to do a Twitter one next. So stay tuned for that. But we're, we're going to do one more iTunes thing just because the reviews in iTunes just help us out so much in helping other people find the show. But our winner yeah. for this time when we're like two weeks late on this is by is Mike, roll. Uh, Mike Jader <laughs> Jaderston. So uh, just e- Jaderston. email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com and I'll make sure Sean gets that taken care of for you. But his review was titled Ding Me SBJ. Nice title. You want uh, me to read it since it's about you? Yeah, why don't you way? read it? Because this is a compliment to you. My favorite podcast by far. These guys are hilarious, knowledgeable, and always have great board game related content. Truth be told, friends of mine started a podcast, not board game related at all, but when they asked for tips, I just told them to come listen to this one. SBJ in particular does a fantastic job hosting the show. Tuesdays don't come fast enough. Bravo! Tuesday Nave from Kansas. Mike Jaderston. Nice, Mike. There you go. So just email us. If you haven't done so already, just jump over to iTunes, leave us a review, and that automatically gets you entered into winning our next copy of Two Rooms in a Boom or Duel. But otherwise, that wraps up our show. Alan, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on the tweets or on Facebook. My name is Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding. And that's at Alan Gerding or Facebook. Yeah. Or you can even email me uh, by doing the email thing. I have access to the email now, but... How about you, SBJ? You can find me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, you can follow uh, Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at PlayTKG. What if they want to email us? Where do they go to email? Uh, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Held with a K. Otherwise, this episode is finished. Hey, it was Mike. Thanks, Mike. He helped us out again. Look at that. He's a contest winner and helped us in the episode. 